running at events like this and not really getting to, uh, to, to get to do this. This is the part I love the most. Um, I travel a lot with Petersons and get to do some of the events that we go to. And, and um, Tron graciously allows me to speak and fill in sometimes. We had some other people that were in, supposed to be involved this weekend and had some changes of plans and couldn't be here. So, so that means you're stuck with me. And uh, I love it. You might not, but I have fun. Um, I do love to have fun. And, and I can tell you right now, good Lord, these are reading glasses. They're not seeing glasses. I can't see nothing out there. So I do, uh, I have a tendency to get a little nervous when I do things like this. I talk fast, so you'll have to listen quick. But um, I've been known to, to take an hour of service and be done in 15 minutes. And everybody's standing around going, now what do we do? So we're, um, <laughs> we're, we're uh, I can be quick sometimes. Um, but I, God shows me things in, in cool ways. I, a lot of you have heard my duck call sermon. Um, I've, I've, I've talked about what path are you on with a deer. I've, um, I have a, a sermon called The Crow and the Eagle. And it's, it's things that I see as I travel, as I, as I go places. And, and for whatever reason, God gives me something out of it. Um, doesn't matter what I see. And, and, I, and I've, uh, sometimes it gets a little frustrating. I'm, I have to pull over at times because I see something going down the road. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Oh, shoot. And I have to go over and I'm on my notes, you know, trying to figure out how to, how to put it together. So I do have a lot of fun with that. And the messages get quite interesting from time to time. Um, my duck call sermon is a, is a good one. It's fun. It's, I like having that one. And uh, I need to come up with a pigeon one now. Where's Russ? <laughs> the pigeon thumper over there. So. But, um, and and in, in light of that, I'm going to share with you a story that I, that I saw one day. Um, I live on a farm. Um, landowner that I, that I live on his place um, is, a, is a cattle rancher. He's got, um, I think he's got 100 head of steers and some mama cows having babies right now. And, and then he hauls cattle for a living, so he's got a big semi, and he, and he, he hauls other people's cattle to the sale. And, I, you know, just up there one day, and he had, he had bought a new set of steers and, and still had the old steers, and I went with him, rode in the truck. I love riding the semi I rode with him to pick up the last load of these new steers that were coming in and um, took a picture of his semi, backed up to the loading dock. You know, it's kind of cool. It was something that was fun, you know, and I'd never seen him do it over there at the big yards. And he loads up, and we get headed home, unload these steers out in what he calls his, his training pins, little holding pins that are right there by his house. And that's when God started kind of messing with me over what I'd seen. So I titled this The Feed Truck. So I'm just, I, I kind of stay with my notes or I'll be chasing rabbits everywhere. So, um, but an interesting thought came on my, heart, my mind as I, and it stirred my heart. I want to share it with you. I live in the country on a farm where a friend of mine not only raises cattle, but he hauls them as well for his living. He recently bought a fresh load of young steers and I was able to ride along as he picked up the last of the lot and brought them home. I listened and watched as he pinned this new batch of calves up near his house. Not only where he could keep an eye on them, but where he could doctor them if necessary, but also something very important, to acclimate them to farm life. These are, these are young steers. These are, these are calves that have just been weaned off mama. Um, they've been pinned for a little while to, to get the ball out of them is what they call that. It's kind of funny. Um, if you've never been around that, you, you'll understand that wordage if you've been there because they ball for days when mama's not there. But... Um, 
So anyway, he gets them up there close, you know, and, and uh, so these, these calves are fresh. They, they've, not, they've not been around much other than whatever pasture they were raised in. Um, and some of them need some doctrine. But to acclimate them to farm life by getting them used to the feed truck and teaching them and conditioning them to follow or come to that feed truck when it, in, when it enters their pasture. Now, I was able to see just how important this training is as, as time came to gather the older steers. These older steers were ready to go to market. He, he buys them in young, feeds them out, they reach a certain weight, he loads them up and he hauls them to another market, and then they're off. Now, this is where God really began to stir my spirit. I watched as my friend entered the field where these older steers were. And this, we're talking 160 acres or so where these older ones were. There were about 78 of them at that time. And uh, they've got some ryegrass, and they've got grass, and they've got a creek, and you know, they, they've got all this food in front of them. But when that feed truck hit the pasture, all heads are up, and they're looking at that truck. And the minute he touches that horn, here they come. Now, <clears throat> I watched as they quickly left their comfort zone, their food source, to chase after this feed truck. I watched as they were led away to the holding pens, completely oblivious to what was about to happen to them. They gladly followed this feed truck to these small confinement pens, because that's what they've been conditioned to do. They've been conditioned to do that since arriving at the farm for the very, very first time. Blindly chasing the prize without realizing it was going to lead them to an eventual death. And they're probably going to become a menu item sometime in the near future. After following the feed truck in this small holding pen, a larger semi backed in. And they're loaded onto the trailer and they're on their way to be sold at a feedlot and eventually led to slaughter. And what God began to show me in my spirit as I watched all this, my heart became real heavy as I realized just how much our human nature is like these steers. We become conditioned to the feed truck. And we gladly chase it and follow it, oblivious to where it's leading us, just like these steers, to a slaughter, to a spiritual death that we become blinded to as we quickly pursue the world, and what it dangles in front of us. God recognizes this trend in mankind, and he sent his only son to become the lamb of sacrifice so that you and I could choose a different path. He gave us a choice. Scripture says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his, wound, and, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. It's found in Isaiah 53, 5-7. You know, a lot of times in life we, we don't even realize what we've become conditioned to. We, we don't realize um, just exactly what we've allowed to, to lead us in our path. What's causing our struggles, what's causing our grief, what's causing, and we blame it on lots of things. We, we blame it on um, circumstances. We, we blame it on living in a fallen world. We, we blame it on temptation. But do you realize that the Bible says that we don't have to sin? 
It, it, he said that, 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 I mean, chances are human nature, we're going to fall. We're born into it. We, we have that, that nature born into us, that sin nature, but we don't have to sin. And, and, and when I realized that in my life, it really began to mess with me. It made me mad, actually, because it made me realize that when I fall, when I fail, when I, when I fall into temptation, when I fall into sin, it's my fault because I chose to. I chose to do something I wasn't supposed to do. I didn't have to do that. I mean, I'm a pretty big fella. Ain't nobody forced me to eat. You know? Well, my mama tried some of the healthy stuff. Ooh. I can't do the healthy things. But, yeah. But we, we are so conditioned to this world that we allow it to lead us everywhere. And we blindly chase the feed truck. You know, oh, hey, look, a new thing. Even, even in our spiritual lives. Oh, look, hey, here's a church that's not, you know, not challenging me, that's not convicting me, that, that's not saying, hey, your life is all messed up. They're just saying, we just want to love you and we want to hug on you and we want you to be happy with us. And we follow it. All the while realizing that, you know, something inside of us is telling us that there's a different way. You know, anybody ever had that guilty conscience? You realize that that's born into us too? How many of you have ever watched, I know we got a little baby in here, but when they reach that little age, you know, where there's stuff on the shelf, you know how you got to baby-proof the house? You know, we got, between my wife and I now, <laughs> Lord, we have 14 grandkids from nine to just shy of nothing. I mean, so you have to do things when they're coming over, right? To protect yourself. <laughs> you haven't met some of my grandsons. You had to protect, some of y'all have. You got to protect yourself. Chris's bunch. But, but, you, uh, but if you've ever noticed when a child reaches a certain point in their life, and they're going to do something they're not supposed to, and they look at you. Why is that? They've not understood no yet. So why is it that when they're reaching for something they know they're not supposed to, they have this guilt of, oh boy. It's because it's born into us. So there's this little thing inside of us, the spirit that God placed within us, that we know when we're doing the wrong thing. Because it's our choice. He planted that seed of choice in us from the beginning. I really wished he wouldn't have. You know, I mean, honestly, it'd been a whole lot easier if we didn't have to choose. It'd been a whole lot easier if he just said, I'm going to create you like these angelic beings and, and you're going to serve me and you're going to worship me and you're going to do my thing and we're going to have a great life together. But he didn't. He gave us a choice. And because of that choice, mankind fell. We blame it on the woman, <laughs> don't we guys? But honestly, even though she was deceived, what happened? She offered it, and we took it. So who's at fault? I am, because I chose. Who's at fault in your life today? Who's at fault in the struggles that you're going through today? Who's at fault? Now, we like to blame everybody, because I don't like being at fault. 
I don't like it being my fault. I want it to be somebody else's fault. I want it to be right all the time. And most of the time I am. <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> but, but, but unfortunately, that's not how life is. You know? So we've got these choices that lay before us every single day. And this is um, a very simple scripture that God placed in us, or for us. And, and it's, it's probably the most quoted, most known, most memorized scripture of all time. Anybody know what it is? John 3, 16. What does that say? It says that for God so loved the world, us, that he gave his only begotten son to die on a cross. I'm, I'm going to kind of go off pace here. I, I use a lot of versions of the Bible when I study. I have the ESV and the NLT and the NKJV. And, and I use the MOV a lot, which is my own version. So... Yeah, so you got, I'll try to warn you when I'm using the MOV, but and that's kind of what this is. For God so loved the world, he so loved you, that he gave his only begotten son to die in your place. So that whoever believes, and, and I like that word, believes, because it gets, it gets thrown around a lot, in, especially in religious sectors. Um, because in the scripture, in every version that you can find it is plural and I want you to understand that. That, that just that one little word believes in every in every written form that I've found of, of the Bible every, every version that's been written that one word is plural now if you go back to the Greek and the Hebrew writings and you look for that word believe isn't even a word in Greek and Hebrew it doesn't exist. But what that word becomes when they translate what was being said in the Greek and the Hebrew at that time, it becomes a process word is what it is. It's a process. It's not a one-time thing. It's not, you know, place your hand on the Bible, say this little prayer, you're good to go the rest of your life, don't worry about it, you're placed in heaven secure. That's not what it says. It is a process word. I'm not going to get doctrinal but I just want you to understand what I think and what I see and what I've studied because it's simple. God's word and God's ways are simplistic. They are not complicated. We complicate them. God is so simple. Because he said that, that in this process of life, you continue to believe in me. You continue to follow me. It's not this one-time event. It's, it's this thing that goes on and on and on and on. It's that choice. It's that choice every single day. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. It's a promise. It's, it's a promise made to all of us. Then he says in John 14, 6, and I love this one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I, I have heard, especially today, Social media, you got to love that stuff. I'm a social butterfly. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, when you see everyone today talking about how many paths there are to God, to heaven. But Jesus states it himself right there. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me except by me, whatever version you want to look at. Basically what he's saying is, is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have any hope. 
If you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't have a ticket punched to heaven. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't have a mansion built on a hill. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have a heavenly father who is, who is your heir or you're his heir for your future. Talking longer than my phone wants to work. Jesus Christ is the key. He's the answer. He is our only hope in such a hopeless world. He gave us a choice. Don't let what Jesus did for you on the cross be in vain. Don't let what he gave for you be in vain. You know, we have a lot of our military here that's to honor you and to serve you. How many of you feel like that this country takes what you did in vain? Most of you? Yeah, especially on Sunday now. Why? Why does it make you feel that way? Now, now I want you to take that same thought that you might have and I want you to think about how God feels about giving the life of his son to go through what he went through on this earth, to be mocked and ridiculed, spit on, made fun of, lied about, How do you think he feels about what he gave his son for when we live our lives like hell? We take what he did in vain. But it's a choice. He gave you that choice. He didn't force you to serve his son. He didn't force you to like him. He didn't force you to do anything. He gave you the choice. But I want to tell you today that if you continue to choose a life of hell... That's all you will ever have. There is another way. Now, now I can tell you that some of my history is, is you know, my dad was a church deacon. My mom's a secretary. You know, I, I tell people all the time I had a drug problem growing up. I got drugged to church every time the doors was open. I didn't have an option. But it didn't make me a Christian. What it did was it made me hard. It gave me a hard heart because I got tired of seeing people who claimed one thing and weren't who they said they were. I got tired of that. I grew up very bitter. I grew up, when I got married and had kids, and I grew up getting my family so busy doing so many other things, we didn't have time for church. You know, we weren't partying, we weren't doing drugs, we weren't off in the bars, but we weren't serving God either. And it created havoc in our lives. So much so in my own that I came home on a Wednesday evening and we had, both of us had jobs. We had two little kids. We lived in an old ratty trailer house, but we had two cars. You know, life really wasn't that bad. We weren't destitute. But for something inside of me, I did not want to be here anymore. And I nearly ended my life that night. I had the means in my hand. And God spoke something to me so plain and so simple. Kind of silly, actually. What are your kids going to tell their friends? 
He knows just exactly what we need to hear in our lives. Because that was enough for me to put that thing down, realizing that I know where my hope is. I've been taught it all my life, and I ran to it. And I've not ever looked back. Did that solve all my problems? Man, I gave my life to the Lord that night. I surrendered. I gave him everything. I laid on my face in the altar at a kid's crusade, of all things, because I knew that I could not continue my life as it was. And I knew where my hope was. So as I surrendered my life and I began to serve him with everything I had in me, did my problems go away? Yeah. Matter of fact, to some degree, maybe they increased because I really began to fight a war then. I began to fight a war for me, for my sanity, for my spirituality, for my life with Christ. I began to fight day and night. But you know what the coolest part about that is, is when you read to the end of the instruction book, we win. If you're on his side, we win. It doesn't matter the battle we go through. It doesn't matter the challenge. Some of us may find ourselves in his presence before others in the midst of those battles. I, I can't explain those. I, I do not understand. I can't give you answers as to why God does the things he does or allows the things he allows. But I can tell you this. That I know that that night changed me forever. And I've not ever looked back. Even in the midst of some of the most challenging things I've ever walked through in my life. I lost a marriage of 25 years because someone didn't want to continue down the path that I was on. Probably the hardest thing I've ever walked through in my life. Believe it or not, I walked into a bedroom one night and there the means was laying right there the same night, same way as it was that one night when I took it in my hand. You know what God told me that day when my eyes fell on that pistol? You got more value than that. Listen to me, folks. You have more value than what you're going through. You have more value than your struggle. God doesn't intend for you to continue in your life and struggle. He intends for you to find Him. He intends for you to let the struggles of your life draw Him to you. To draw close to Him so that He can be with you. He can walk with you through the fire. I have been through some fire. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not perfect. I'll go through more. I'm, I'm not immune to it just because I serve the Lord now. But I can tell you this, I know I'm going to win. If you would, just bow your heads with me. I'm going I'm to bring this to a close this way. Don't let what Jesus did for you on the cross be in vain. As, as we're here today, in this place, in his presence... This is his place, man. It's a lodge of hope. <laughs> Maybe it's not a church building that you're accustomed to, but it's a lodge of hope. It's a place of reference for him. And he's in this place today. And he's reaching out to you today, right now. His hand is outstretched. It always is. He's looking for you. What are you going to do about it? He's giving you a choice. I'm going to ask you today, just right there where you are. We're not going to make a big spectacle out of anything. I, it's not what I do. But I want, you to, I want you to just evaluate your life right now. Where do you stand in relationship with Jesus Christ? Where do you stand?
if you are not where you should be, you know that. I don't need to point it out. You know. And what I want you to do right now is if you're not in the place you know you should be in his life, in, your, in him and your life right now, I just want you to ask him to forgive you. Just ask him to forgive you. Ask him to forgive the sin that you're, that's in your life, the bitterness, the hurt, the pain that you're carrying, the burden that you're carrying. Ask him to, to forgive you for the sin in your life. Ask him to become the Lord of your life. Give him the key to your heart. Let him have lordship over you. It, it's our only hope of having any kind of peace in our life at all. Our God's a chain breaker. He's a pain taker. He gave his life for you. Won't you give your life for him? Let Jesus have your heart and soul today. Surrender to him 100%. Nothing held back. Open every closet door. (laughs) You're not hiding it from him anyway. God knows you. He knows everything you have in your life. He knows everything you have hidden in every little compartment of your heart. Every little bitterness, every little sadness, every little weakness. He knows you. Open that door, that closet, and let him in there. Let him clean your house today. Let the king of kings clean house right now. He gave you a choice. What are you going to do with it? I've asked Carrie Bamborn. Carrie, if you want to go ahead and... Carrie's going to get prepared to do some, some communion with us today. And, um, but I want you to consider your options. Where are you in relationship to Jesus Christ right now? Your life full of struggles. He knows you. He created you. He has a plan for you. He gave you a choice. Life will go on. Struggles will continue. But when you choose to surrender your heart to Christ, he promises to go through the fire with you, to never forsake you, and to always be with you. He is giving you a choice right now. Invite him into your heart. Ask him to forgive you. Forgive you for the sin in your heart. And ask Jesus to become the Lord of your life. And I promise you, you will never be the same again. Amen. Okay. Take of these emblems here in a minute if you're a baptized.